Good evening, everyone, on this Feast of the Epiphany. I was just thinking here at the beginning of Mass, looking at our beautiful window here in this transept that I think we typically call the Nativity window, should more appropriately be called the Epiphany window. As you see, the three wise men, they're offering their gifts to the little child, Jesus. I want to simply start with saying, what is Epiphany? Answering the question simply for you tonight to be able to walk away with that. And then three points. And so you may as well settle in, get ready to go. Epiphany, everyone, is all about God. It's all about God wanting to be known. That we celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany because God wants to, us to know him. And he reveals himself to us. Right? He wants to be known. He wants to be loved. And he wants to reveal himself. And he has been revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrate on the Epiphany, this reality of God wanting to be known. What a beautiful thing, right? That he wants to be known, and he has given us the ability to do just that. What I'd like to focus on this evening is from this story in the Gospel and the Feast of the Epiphany, everyone, as a paradigm, as an encapsulation of our interior life, and what that looks like. How this story, an external sort of reality in many ways, reflects in us the internal spiritual movements of how God works and how life goes about for us. And so I think it's a great paradigm that we can go back to. And you can also find inspiration here around this from our Holy Father Pope Francis's homily on the Epiphany. And so three words for you tonight, everyone. Three words and three steps. Number one, desire. Two, journey. And three, worship. That God draws us by desire. And then there's a whole long journey to actually obtaining what we desire. And it's always found in worship of him. That's the storyline tonight for this homily. Everyone, number one, desire. Desire. We see these magi, right? These pagan uh, priests, you could call them, who come from the east in search for this king. These pagans, non-Israelites, extremely significant in this gospel, right? Because the Jews believed the only ones who'd be saved were those in the family of the Israelites. Because of the whole Exodus, the Old Testament. And we see here early on in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, right, that Matthew is saying, ah, Jesus is going to surprise you in his story of being a savior. That it's not just for the Israelites, but it's for the Gentiles, the pagans. And most of us here, maybe everyone here, is not an ethnic Jew. And so this feast is extremely important for us, right, because we start to see God revealing himself to the pagans and wanting to make himself known. And so the Magi come, you know, hoofing across the country and they end up in Jerusalem. That God has pulled them, right, through desire to come look for him. They're looking and searching for meaning in their life. 
They're looking for the ultimate meaning. They're searching for truth. They would have been astrologers, right? They weren't just like looking at stars, but they would have, been, they would have studied the stars. There would have been a whole science to that. They were looking for the very purpose and fulfillment of their life. That desire, right, that welled up within them, that made them respond. I have to do something. There's this star and these prophecies of a king being born, and I have to go look. I have to find it. (laughs) Because this desire has just not been satisfied by anything in the world. They're trying to answer everyone the most fundamental questions of all of our hearts. They're going to look by desire for the same things that we desire. Love, joy, fulfillment, meaning. That life is not just blah, but it can be something beautiful because God has redeemed it and has done something great for us, right? God always moves us by desire. He pulls us by desire. He has a rope around our heart. And he's constantly pulling that rope, trying to pull our heart closer to his own heart. That's what he does. Everyone, it's so important to know what, is, what are our desires in life? What do we desire most deeply? We have to know desire well. Because I think the second uh, point here tonight, journey this journey that they partake in. They don't just sit there and say, God, I want you to love me, and then don't do anything about it. That's not how it works, right? That we have to do something. We have to respond to God's call. And in, I think, a particular way, and our Holy Father Pope Francis uses this a lot, that we're on a journey. We're on a journey, a pilgrimage, if you want to call it that, of life. That There's a whole, as we know, right, there's a whole progression to life on a natural level. And so there is also on the spiritual, supernatural level that it's a journey. We can't just expect, right, to experience God's love like the saints, like, you know, tomorrow after living maybe contrary to the saints. That's not quite how it works, right? Typically, there's a whole progression and journey that we have to go through. And the Magi partake in this journey, go to Herod, find the child. Obviously not an easy journey, everyone, right? You could only imagine before any modern uh, thing how they had to, how that journey would have been arduous and difficult. And so it's important, right? Every desire has an object and wants to be fulfilled. our desire ultimately leads us back to God. It always takes us to God. But the space of fulfillment in between that, right, takes time. And I'm going to propose to you tonight, that's where difficulty happens. That's where things get hard. The middle ground. It's not really our first 10 years of life when things are rather fun. We're not worried about stuff. We're enjoying life. And maybe it's not the last, you know, 10 years. It's the middle 70, right? The middle 60, where things just seem to go along. This middle ground and the difficulties that well up inside of us that we have desires that aren't fulfilled. What do these sound like? Yeah, 
I would like my child to do this, but I can't control them. They won't do what, uh, what I want them to do. They're in high school, they don't uh, you know, do X, Y, or Z. I just wish my spouse was this or that. I just want uh, love, but I can't seem to find it. Find all the wrong places. Everyone, if we don't deal with these movements, these realities in our life, whatever they sound like for you, what do we do? We have to cope with them somehow. And we either cope with them through grace and moving closer to Jesus, or we cope with them right through sin and trying to numb the pain that comes from that. Try to numb the suffering that we all endure. That this journey, this journey is one of suffering on earth. I know it's sad. That's not very good news, it seems like. But no matter what, there will be suffering, right? And there will be perfect fulfillment. And Jesus has given us the fullness of the meaning of what suffering is. And he wants us to start to experience him in our suffering. To not just cope with it, not just put up with it, give up, and just deal with the suffering. He actually, everyone wants to break open our heart and expose the beauty of his love, his kindness, his compassion towards us in our suffering. Right? How do we do that? We have to take our suffering. We take the sufferings that we endure in this journey and we acknowledge them and relate them to Jesus. We talk to him honestly about what we suffer, our physical ailments, right? Our psychological ailments. Whatever suffering comes to us, we honestly tell Jesus that he is the divine physician. He's the divine doctor who wants to put the healing salve of ointment on our wounds, on our suffering, on this journey of life, right? And within that, he starts to fulfill our desire. He starts to fulfill our desire day by day, hour by hour, right? A long journey, a long journey gets better if you're with someone versus being alone. Make sure we're with someone, and that is Jesus on this journey of life as we go from desire to fulfillment, desire to fulfillment, where we fulfilled, third point, everyone, worship. We hear in the gospel, the magi fall prostrate, they want to do homage, and they fall prostrate, and they worship this child. On Thursday, uh, I made all 360 high schoolers at St. Mary's Central High School watch the funeral mass of, Saint, of Pope Benedict XVI. And uh, I told them, right, I told them about this reality of the need for worship, the need for worship that indeed that is where we find our strength. We find our strength for the journey here on earth through divine worship of God. If we want to experience, right, Jesus here on earth, we have to do it here, where he has left us himself, that he didn't just uh, leave, right, after he died, but he actually left us himself in the Eucharist, his risen body and blood, soul and divinity, right? And it's so important 
to remember, we come back to this worship, right, where we have this desire, God, you have to break through in my life. Well, then we have to come to the place where God does break through, which is here, where heaven comes down among us and becomes real for us. The angels surrounding us, St. Padre Pio said, it would be easier for the world to survive without the sun than to do without holy mass. That the Eucharist is the center of our life, everyone, and it is the true fulfillment of our desire. Jesus Christ himself, who has come to us as a little child, God becoming man. We give thanks to him today. Jesus, we ask you to deepen our desire for you on this long journey of life and fulfill it for us in the worship of your son.